If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the podcast from One Cause Church. Stay on your feet for just a minute. Stay on your feet for just a minute. Now, we've given a lot of hand claps this morning, but let's give Jesus the best hand clap we've given today. Thank you, Jesus. All right. He, and my brother likes to point out that I am his baby brother. However, he will never say that I am his shorter brother. Been uh, taller than him for a long time. And, uh, I like rubbing it in. And the way he got me back was he convinced me I was adopted when we were kids. That's a little bit hard on your uh, self-esteem. You feel like your parents are lying to you all the time. But uh, yeah, I'm glad to be here. Uh, I'm so glad to be a part of uh, what God is doing here today. And I'm just glad to be a part of what God is doing around the world. And um, my wife and I, we pastor Life Unlimited Church we have two campuses, one in South Austin and one in a town 25 miles south of there in Lockhart. My wife just finished the first service, and she is uh, preaching right now in Austin. So uh, she, she's doing that, and she doesn't get to do that very often, so she was excited to do it. And we're just, a glad, just glad to be a part, like I say, we're glad to be a part of what God is doing. And whatever God asks us to do, we're willing to do, right? And, uh, and God's building his church. The Bible says Jesus said, I will build my church, and Jesus is building his church. And what a privilege it is for us. The Bible calls us co-laborers with him. What a privilege that he has invited us on to the construction site to build his church. What an awesome, awesome privilege. And, and I, I am certainly privileged to be here today, glad to be at One Cause Church. Uh, if you are visiting, let me just address you for just a moment. If you're visiting here today, uh, please don't judge this church by what you hear me say. Uh, come back, and I, I may be a little bit partial, but that's okay. I also believe I'm telling you the truth. We can be partial and still tell the truth, right? Uh, this church has an outstanding pastor. And, uh, and you would do yourself well to come back to hear him. The word of God is in his mouth and in his heart. And your life will never be the same when you hear him preach the word. Amen. Can I get a good amen from the home folks? All right. If you have a Bible this morning, I'm going to ask you to turn to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13 is in the Old Testament, right after Leviticus, just before Deuteronomy. It's in the original first five books of the Bible, also known as the Torah or known as the Septuagint for those who care. That's all the big words I have, so <laughs> there we go. Numbers chapter 13, Numbers chapter 13. Let me pray once before we get started. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for this day. I thank you, Lord, for these great, wonderful, and beautiful people that are here today. Lord, together we, we, we are gathered in this place as your family. And Lord, what a privilege it is to be with your family. And Lord, also what a privilege it is to be in your presence. For your word says that where two or three gathered together in your name, there you are in their midst. Father, I thank you that your presence is here today. Your presence is here to heal. Your presence is here to save. Your presence is here to deliver. Your presence is here to set free. And I thank you, Father, that your spirit is at work in our midst as we hear your word. And Lord, I thank you 
that your word is coming to us like seed. From Mark chapter 4, it says your word is seed. And when it's sown on good soil, it produces a good harvest. Lord, we open our hearts today with expectation to be good ground, to receive the seed of your word. And we believe for an outstanding and an amazing harvest in our life. Lord, I thank you that as we hear the word, that faith is being increased. For your word says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Lord, we, we thank you for your word. Lord, your word says that your word cleanses. Lord, I thank you that as we hear your word today, we're being cleansed being transformed, being changed, and therefore we will never, ever be the same again because of your word and because of your amazing Holy Spirit. And we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Would you just tell your neighbor how pretty they look this morning? Come on, you can say it loud. We're a faith church. Doesn't matter what you really think. <laughs> Numbers chapter 13. Can you hear me now? Yes. All right. Technology is supposed to make your life simpler. That's what they say. Numbers chapter 13, I want to just share with you a, a familiar story. Probably most of you in here are familiar with the story. There was a group of people called the children of Israel, and God had led them out through a man named Moses, led them out of the land of Egypt. Anybody familiar with the story? Led them out of the land of Egypt. Now they're going to the promised land. How many of you believe that God has a promised land for you? Yeah. How many of you are expecting 2013 to be better than 2012? Yeah. I like to say it like this. The rest of my life will be the best of my life. Can we say that together? Can you say the rest of my life will be the best of my life? We're with God and God is with us and we're moving forward. 2013, because God is with us, has to be better than 2012. It has to be better. God is with us. And I believe that God has a promised land for you. I believe he has a land that he wants you to be in. The, a land, as the Bible says, that it flows with milk and honey, which means a, a place that promotes health and prosperity. That's what God wants for you. He has a plan for your life to prosper you and to do good for you. And so I'm headed there. How about you? I'm headed there. And this is where the children of Israel are headed. And before they get there, they decide they're going to send in 12 spies. Familiar with the story? Twelve spies are going in. Ten of them come back with a bad report, and two of them come back with a good report, right? And the two that came back with a good report, their names were? Joshua and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb. Can anybody name any of the other ten? No, we can't, because who cares what losers' names are, right? We don't name our kids after the other ten jokers. We name our kids after the two winners, Joshua and Caleb. These guys came back with a good report. I have a question for you. It's a little bit of a trick question, but which ones were right? They were all right. Because what the 10 believed, that's what they got. 
And what Joshua and Caleb believed, that's what they got. Okay. So now they've gone into the land and they've come back. They're coming back now out of the land that they've just spied out. They're coming back to report. Before they get back, they stop at a grapevine, and the Bible says they cut off one cluster of grapes. One cluster of grapes. How many? One, one cluster of grapes. Now, I, I don't know about you, but I, I, the cluster of grapes in South Texas or in Austin, Central Texas, uh, I can hold in one hand. They cut off one cluster of grapes, and the Bible says it took two men, one on each end of a pole, to carry one cluster of grapes. That is some kind of fruit. Hmm? Come back with these reports and the fruit. Verse 26, Numbers chapter 13. It says, now they departed and came back to... Mo well, let me just say this. I read from the New King James Version of the Bible. Despite what John Holler says, it is a better translation. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's funny, most of us call it the old King James, but those who stick to it call it the original King James. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm the preacher. Uh, Numbers 13, verse 26. <laughs> verse <laughs> uh, Numbers 13, verse 26 says, Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The giants is what they mean. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they're stronger than we are. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. Do you hear the contradiction in that statement? They said the land devours the inhabitants, and then all of a sudden they talked about how strong and mighty the inhabitants were. It can't be both. There can't be inhabitants there that are strong and mighty if the land devours the inhabitants. But this is how fear talks. Verse 33. There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, come from the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Today, I want to talk to you about three things that you must expect to change in your life if you're going to enter the promised land. If 2013 is going to be better than 2012, you can't continue doing the things the same way in, in 2013 that you did in 2012. Now, I, for one, am a person that absolutely detests change. I don't like it. I think it's straight from hell. I don't like to change. I resist it with everything that I can. 
I, I like routine. I like consistency. I like the same restaurants. I like to eat the same things. Some people call that boring. I call it stable. I remember one time my brother, I was out with my friends and I came home, my brother and I shared a room and he had rearranged our bedroom. Why? I just thought it'd be a good idea. I thought he was acting like a woman, but I, <laughs> he's not here so I can say that, right? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so I've just resisted change. But I came to a realization in my life that if I want things better and if I want things different, I have to change. I can't just expect everybody else and everything else to change on its own. I have to participate as well. Number one that we're going to talk about today is you must change the way that you think. You must change the way that you think. They said we look like grasshoppers in our own sight compared to them, and we look like grasshoppers to them. Now, the story doesn't record this, but I, can't, I certainly can't find any, any evidence that they interviewed these guys. Uh, hello, yes, uh, Anak, giant. Uh, we are spies from the land of Israel, and we're just wanting to know, when you look at us, what do you th- from the animal kingdom, what do you think of? A rodent? Yeah, we're thinking more in the insect group. A locust crest. Yes, that's exactly what we're looking for. Thank you. They didn't do that. This is something that they just conceived in their own mind. And it's sad that so many of us walk around believing everything that the enemy tells us. And we think it, and we take it into our own thinking. We're like... We're like the, uh, the guards in Star Wars when the Jedis came. It's like the devil has this Jedi power over us. These are not the droids that you're looking for. <laughs> These aren't the droids we're looking for. You don't need to see identification. We don't need any identification. We can go. You're free to go. You can't do that. I can't do that. You're not qualified. I'm not qualified. You're less valuable. I'm, I'm less valuable. Get these things, and we get them in our thinking. But if we're going to progress and move ahead in life, we have to be willing to change what we think. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The Bible says... You're not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to. However, it didn't say you're not supposed to think of yourself highly. It says you're not supposed to think of yourself more highly, more highly than you should. But there is an element that you should be thinking good things about yourself. You should be thinking better things about yourself. You should be thinking high of yourself, just not too high. And we we got a lot of room to work with here. Because too high, we see where too high, what too high thinking does. Too high thinking is what the devil did when he thought he was equal to God. Anybody in here think that? No, we don't think that. Of course we don't think that because God's God. We don't think we're... So look at all the room that we have to work with. 
God said in Jeremiah 29, through the prophet Jeremiah, I know the thoughts that I think about you. This is God speaking. Let's not assume what God is thinking, and let's listen to what God is thinking. And he says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. He didn't say, I know the thoughts I think about you. He said, I think thoughts towards you, meaning he's sending thoughts toward us all the time. They're coming at us all the time because he knows if you'll just dare take a step of faith and grab a hold of one of those thoughts, those thoughts of peace and not evil, so that you can have a future and have a hope. If you'll just grab one thought as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If you'll take God's thinking into your thinking, your life will change, your life will get better, and you will have a future, and you will have a hope. His thoughts are coming towards you. You have to be willing to change what you think. You have to stop trusting in what mama thinks. You have to accept what God thinks. Someone asked me one time, I don't know if there's any new believers in here. Someone asked me one time, I have a friend who just got saved and they want to know where to start in the Bible. I'll help you. Start at Ephesians chapter 1. And then read Ephesians chapter 2. And then read Ephesians chapter 3. And when you're done with that, read Ephesians chapter 1. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2. And Ephesians chapter 3. And when you're done with that, read Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 2. And Ephesians chapter 3. And when you're finished with that, you need to read Ephesians chapter 1. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 3, you need to read it till it's gushing out of you. Because the Bible in Ephesians chapter 1, 2, and 3 says you are this in Christ. In Christ you are, in Christ you are, in Christ you are, in Christ you are, in Christ you are. It says you are chosen, it says you are accepted, it says you are loved, it says you are called for a purpose that's beyond your own ability. These are the things that you need to know as a believer, who you are in Christ. And you must change what you think and accept what God thinks about you as the truth. Amen. The second thing. You must change the way that you talk. Yes. Uh-huh. You have to change what you say. Yes. You have to change what you say. Yes. You have to stop talking about the cycles that have always been in your family. Yes. Well, we just have a history of cancer. Well, we just have a history of heart disease. Well, we just have a history of dementia. The family of God doesn't have that history. God's family doesn't have that history. His bloodline doesn't have that history. The Bible says when you gave your life to Jesus, you became a new creation. Old things passed away, and all things became brand new. And it's not just talking about just spiritual things became new. It says everything became new. If you look up that word in a Bible help book that you became a new creation, it means a never-before-seen species presented on the stage of the world. When you accepted Jesus, he created something all brand new with you that nobody had ever seen before. That means your bloodline no longer is attached to your family's bloodline. Your bloodline is attached to Jesus Christ. Your family history is no longer attached to you. You have the history of Jesus Christ. And what Jesus Christ did and what Jesus Christ has done and made available for you is all yours. If you'll just start saying it. I remember my daughter Morgan. She didn't like it when I talk about her, but she's sitting right here. My daughter Morgan wanted a dog real bad. And I don't like dogs. And to make matters worse, she wanted the kind of dog that would live in the house. 
That just doesn't even make sense to me. A dog in the house. I have carpet in my house. I don't want a dog on my carpet. Now, if you're a dog lover, God bless you. I'm not. My daughter wanted a dog real bad. She said, Dad, would you buy me a dog? Nope. I'm not buying you a dog. I mean, think about that. Buy a dog? We could drive down the street. They're running down the street wild. We'll just grab one. Buy a dog? No, it's not going to happen. Dad, I want a dog real bad. I want a dog. Please give me a dog. No, I'm not going to get a dog. People, I'd have guest preachers come, and my daughter would have them at the table at lunch saying, my daddy won't buy me a dog. <laughs> These guys are telling me, buy your daughter a dog. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And then she decided she wanted a particular kind of dog, and so I just looked up what kind of dog that was, and it cost $900 for that dog. Nope. Not happening. Not buying that dog. I mean, it would be a stretch. It would be a stretch for me to spend twenty bucks on one, but much less nine hundred dollars. No. She said, "Dad, what do I have to do?" I said, "Well, I'm not changing my mind. So you're gonna have to go around me. You need to take this up with God." And you need to change the way that you talk about it. And you need to take a step of faith because we believe in seed time and harvest. And I said, and if something happens, that's between you and God. Now, I'll tell you, I walked away saying, God, don't you dare. <laughs> this one time, God, this one time I'm asking you, please don't be faithful to your word. Just once. <laughs> and so Morgan started to... She packed up a bunch of stuff in her room, bagged up a whole bunch of stuff to give away to a children's home. She said, this is a seed for my dog. And then she starts saying, I have, a, I have a dog. You do? Yeah, I have a dog. I have a white dog. You have a white dog. Okay. Well, a few weeks went by. A few weeks went by, and we had this lady that, that came to our church. This was her second time to be there. She came. She's from Australia, and she came to us, and she... Uh, she said, Pastor, um, I'm going through a divorce and I have to move out of my home and I have to move into an apartment and I can't take my dogs. <laughs> and I said, uh, well, what kind of dogs do you have? And it, I, instantly I felt like throwing up. I didn't even want to say anything. <laughs> what kind of dogs do you have? She said, well, I got a pit bull. I was like, yes, it's not you. You're not the answer. And, she's, and then she said, uh, and I got two other dogs. And I said, well, what kind of dogs are those? And she said, they're Shih Tzus, which is what she wanted. Yeah. I was like, Jesus. <laughs> okay, I got one more hope here. What color are they? <laughs> she said, well, one's black. I was like, yes. <laughs> she said, and the other one is white. I said, well, <clears throat> we'll come look at the dogs. And so the next day, my wife and I went and looked at the dogs, and there he was, this white devil. And uh, I, uh, 
I, uh, my wife and I went to lunch, and she said, what do we do? I said, well, I'm just at a place where we told our daughter to trust God, to change the way she talked and to change what she believed and to sow seed. She did it. And I believe, as much as I don't want to, I believe that God has responded to her faith. And who are we to stand in between that? So Rufus moved in. We're not waiting on God to bless us. You are not waiting on God to bless you. God has blessed you. You are blessed. You're not going to be blessed. You are blessed. And the blessing that's attached, all the resources that are attached to that blessing that rests on your life, they're out there, and they're on their way to you. If you're believing for a house, trust God. Say, I, I have a house. I'm just waiting to find it. I have it. I'm not even, I, I've, I've sowed seed. I've trusted God. That, that house is mine. I've believed God. That house is mine. It's on, it, I'm on my way to it. Because yeah. Job 22, verse 28 says, if you declare or decree a thing, it is established and light shines on your way. So now we just declare things and decree things and just trust that the light of God is shining on our path and we're headed toward that very thing that we yeah. have declared as a reality in our life. You have to. Changed the way that you talk. God changed the way that Abraham talked. God changed the way that the children of Israel talked. God changed the way that David talked. God changed the way people talked all throughout history. He had them change the way that they were talking so that they could have a different result. Isn't it interesting that in Acts chapter 1, Jesus said, I've got something amazing for you. I've got something incredible that will change your life and not only change your life, but it's going to change the world. It's going to be an endowment of power and you're going to go into all the world and preach the gospel. That thing that I want to give you is the Holy Spirit, but I need you to go wait for it. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit showed up, and the very prominent and, de- and, and dominant sign that showed up was that their language changed. God said, I'm going to have you change the way that you talk for you to have the fulfillment of the power. You have to change the way that you talk. The final thing, and this happened actually when the children of Israel got into the promised land. The Bible says that when they went into the promised land, the book of Joshua, says, when they crossed over into the promised land, this mic started ringing, if you want to turn that down just a little bit. When they crossed over into the promised land, the manna that they had been eating day in, day out for 40 years, God providing food for them day in, day out, day in. Every day, God providing. Every day, they had to have a miracle to exist. But it says the day they stepped into the promised land, the manna stopped. And God put grain and seed in their hand. If you're going to have the fruit of promised land living, you have to sow some seed. You have to give. And I want to encourage you this year in 2013, give like you've never given before. Give, stretch yourself. Want to see different results? Give differently. Give. Give. Well, that's, I, I, I've said before that, you know, you can give and love and love will come back to you. You can give encouragement and encouragement will come back to you. Amen. Right? Amen. But let's not shy away from the truth. You can sow and give financially and finances will come back to you. 
That's what the Bible says. And we ought to be unashamed about that. How many of you believe that God wants your cup to overflow? I believe God wants your cup to overflow. But I've never seen an empty cup overflow until it was full. God wants your cup full so that it can overflow. Well, that's still good. My kids believe in an overflowing life. And if they don't get it from their mother, they come talk to me. Usually without letting me know that they've talked to their mother. Are my kids the only ones like that on the planet? Mom, can we have candy? No. Dad, can we have candy? Sure. Candy sounds good to me. And then mom finds out about it. Out come the stilettos. No, I'm just kidding. These are not the droids that you're looking for. Just ignore that I said that. Um, well, my, my kids have found that, that God wants them to live an abundant life. And, and I think you, you, uh, you have to get it in your heart. You have to believe it in your heart that God wants you to live an abundant life. Yeah. And your abundance is connected to your faith of giving. Yeah. That step of faith in giving. Now, We've already taken up the offering, so relax. <laughs> Can I just talk with an open heart to you today? God wants your life blessed, and he put laws in place in the earth, laws of giving and receiving and seed time and harvest that he says are yours. If you'll, if you'll just pr- participate, it will work for you. It will work for you. Yeah. You came too late to tell me it doesn't work. Right. I remember as... Um, When I was in college, I was working three jobs, and I worked at Dillard's department store in their warehouse, stocking things, and I worked as a roofer with a guy in our church, and, and, uh, and I worked the movie theater, doing movies. And I, I don't know if you've been in college, working full-time, going to college, and and having to pay bills, but generally that's a pretty tight way to live. All the money seems to be going everywhere but in your pocket. Uh And um, I was talking to the secretary at Dillard's one day. We were in the back, one of the back offices, and we were talking, and she said, uh, uh, how do you make it? I said, well, uh, just make it. She said, well, how many, we're just talking about how things get tight. And she said, well, Okay, let's, let's just, I want to help you. Let's figure this out. How, how much do you make at Dillard's? And so I told her I'm going to make at Dillard's. She said, how much do you make when you roof house? This much. And how much do you make when you work at the movie? Well, I make this much. Okay. So what are your bills? What's going out every month? Well, I got this. I started naming it. I said, wait. First, before you put anything else down, I give 10% to my church. She said, why? I said, well, I have found that I don't have enough but by giving, I seem to always have enough. She said, that doesn't make sense. I said, well, you ask. I'm just telling you. She said, okay. So she put down the 10%, which she thought was foolish. She wrote down the rent and college and wrote down all the bills. And she said, you don't make enough. Your, your expenses far outweigh your income. Even if I take the 10% and put it back, you're still not making enough. 
How do you do it? I said, because I start with the 10%. Now, praise the Lord, we are today under a time of grace. We're not under some legalistic law that says we have to tithe. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I had someone ask me, do I have to tithe? No, you get to. That's right. It's a wonderful change of perspective. Yeah. You get to. My mom used to tell me that. Do we have to go to church? No, you get to go to church. <laughs> and if you don't get up, you're going to get to get a spanking. I'm sure, I'm sure she said it a lot nicer than that. I just have these memories as a kid. <laughs> but uh, I, said, I, I, I said, because I give that 10%, I, uh, I, I, it works. I can't explain it other than that. And so I ended up leaving that job and going on to do other things and didn't see that lady for a lot of years, probably eight or nine years. And... One day I, was, I had left San Angelo where I had been and I was back in town and I was visiting in my home church and, and after the church service was over, this lady comes walking up to me that I was familiar with but I didn't know why I knew her. And she came up to me and she was carrying a little, uh, little girl on her, on her hip and she said, do you remember me? And I said, I said I'm so sorry. I said, you're very familiar to me but I, don't, I can't place you. She said, I used to work as the secretary at Dillard's. And I said, oh, okay. She said, do you remember that day that we sat down in the office and tried to figure out your budget? I said, I do remember that. She said, I thought you were absolutely crazy that you would give 10% to your church. She said, I thought it was nuts. She said, I thought it was so crazy. She said, it haunted me for days. I couldn't stop thinking about it. She said, and time went, and, I, and she ended up leaving Dillard's, and she said, she said and, and I got married, and my husband and I, we want to have kids, and I couldn't get pregnant. And she said, it got so contentious in our relationship that I couldn't have kids that my husband left me. And she said, I found myself at the very bottom of this dark hole, and I didn't know a way out. She said, but in that place, I remember there was a guy that trusted God and gave 10%. She said, in that dark place, I just said, Lord, because she didn't go to church, she wasn't regular in church, she said, God, would you do that for me? Would you help me? And she said, I got out the phone book and I looked up the church that you said that you went to and said, I'm going to that church. If it works for him at that church, I'm going to that church. <laughs> and she said that she, she came to church all alone. She said, I cried through the whole service. She said, when they took the offering, she said, I had $20. I told God, God, I don't even know if this is 10%, but I do know that this is everything that I have. She said, I put it in the offering. And she said, I'll tell you, I wanted to grab it back real quick. And she said, at the end of the service, the pastor gave an altar call for anybody that wanted prayer. And she said, I went down and had him pray for me. She said, that afternoon, I went home and called my husband and said, I need you to come over. I want to talk to you. And he came over and she said, this is where I've been and this is what I've done. And I'm just asking you to, to join me in this and let's see if this really works. And she said, so that night he moved back in. She said, and here she is. I have good news for you. Whatever place you find yourself in, whatever place of trouble that you may find yourself in, Giving 
is the way out. I can't say that I can explain it to you. I can't say, well, it's gonna happen exactly like this, but I can boldly and confidently tell you it will happen. It will happen. Your giving will get you out of where you came too late to tell me it doesn't work. If this was the only instance in my life that it had happened, I might say it was mere coincidence, but it's happened over and over and over. And many of you in this room are nodding your head because it's happened for you over and over and over and over. It has happened for generations, for thousands of years, all the way back to the beginning of mankind. God put seed in in their hand and said, if you'll just dare believe me, if you'll just dare trust that I can do this, if you'll just dare trust that the laws that I've put in place will work and give and stretch yourself and give and sow some seed and push yourself a little bit. If you'll just dare believe, you'll see, you'll see the fruit of your labor. You'll see the harvest come. When other people say it's impossible, you'll see the harvest come. It will work. It will work. It will work. Trust God. Believe God and stand to your feet, please. Would you bow your heads for just a moment? If you're here today at church and you've never accepted Jesus Christ into your life, I want to give you the opportunity to do that. It's the greatest decision you could ever make. If you want 2013 to be better than 2012, the best choice you could make right now is to accept Jesus. Jesus put it like this in John chapter 3, verse 16. He said, God loves you so much that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. If I could put it simply to you, I read it like this. God loves you. He sent Jesus to prove that he loved you. And what he asks of you is that you believe him. Just believe him. Believe that he loves you. Believe that he sent Jesus to die for you. And salvation is yours. There's no rules to live up to. There's no hoops you have to jump through. You may say, yeah, but you don't know what I've done. Yeah, I don't. I don't care either. And to tell you the truth, neither does God. Verse 17 says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but that the world through him might be saved. He didn't come so that he could point out your wrongs. He came to deliver you from the wrongs. And to set you free. So if you're here today and you would say, I've never accepted Jesus Christ into my life. And I would like to. I'd like to start this year different. I need Jesus in my life. You've never accepted Christ. You've never prayed a prayer to ask God into your life. I want to pray with you. I'm not going to invite you to the front for the sake of time. But I'm just going to ask right where you're standing. If that's you, you say, I need Jesus today. Would you just slip your hand in the air so I can see you and pray with you? Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for each person that's here today. I thank you, Father, that you have great plans for our lives, that you have a future and a hope for us. You have plans that 2013 will be better than 2012. You have plans, your word says, to prosper and to increase us. Your word says it is your good pleasure. It is, it is your good pleasure. You take pleasure in the prosperity of your servants. Lord, I thank you that, that you enjoy prospering us and increasing our lives. 
Lord, I, just, I believe that 2013 will be a year like no other, and by the time December gets here, we'll all confidently look back and say, what a year we've had. I love my life and what God has done this year for me. But Lord, we make a commitment today. We'll think different. We'll talk different. And we'll give differently. We'll think better. We'll talk better. And we'll give better. And Lord, I believe that the promises of your word are true. And Lord, as your people take a step of faith to give, Lord, I thank you that Luke 6, 38 will be a reality in their life, that it will come back to them, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. You would cause men to give back to them. Father, I thank you that this year will be, will be the fulfillment of Ephesians chapter three, that they will experience exceedingly abundantly above all that they could ask or think. I thank you, Lord, that your blessing will overcome, chase them down, They'll have health. Lord, I just believe that, that, that today the sickness ends. The disease ends today. Healing comes today in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you that today lack and poverty end. That curse is broken and prosperity follows and chases your people down. I thank you, Lord, for your blessing. I thank you, Lord, for your amazing love for us, and we give you praise today. And Lord, as an act of faith, we say thank you in advance. Thank you for hearing us when we pray. Thank you for responding to our acts of faith. Thank you for the laws of seed, time, and harvest where we can put them to use in our life. Thank you, Father, for your blessing in our life. And we leave here today blessed because of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you give the Lord a great hand clap for his word? Thank you for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Go to onecausechurch.com for location and events. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at One Cause Church. If you would like to partner with our ministry, you can now donate securely online. Just click on the link located on the front page of our website at onecausechurch.com.